morning. Glad you guys are joining us. For those of you who joined us online, glad you guys are joining us today. We are going to be in the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 23. If you're joining us online, if you've got a phone with you, um, you got a tablet or something, you can go to uh, it on your phone as well. If you don't, maybe you got a paper copy, Matthew 23. I, I got some good news for you before we get into Matthew 23. Um, I got some good news. Here, here's the good news. Uh, we have an end date for the book of Matthew. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what that says about your opinion of this series, but um, at the end of June, after four years, we will be finishing the book of Matthew. So, in the next couple weeks, when we kind of drag a little bit, just know the end is coming. There is light at the end of the tunnel, okay? Um, Matthew 23 is where we're going to be. And uh, today, I, I want to I set you up for what we're doing because today's actually going to kind of be two weeks worth. To, not This week and next week are going to be connected with one another. Okay, uh, Matthew 23, if you look at it, if you've got a red letter Bible, um, you may see that it's like all red. It's just all Jesus talking. And so it's one continuous conversation. The, today's going to kind of set the scene. And what Jesus is going to do in, in Matthew 23 is he's actually tearing some things down. Next week, we're going to look at what's called the seven woes. It's, it's a really chipper moment in Jesus's ministry. But, but what I want you to know, and, and, and a question you should ask yourself, anytime you see Jesus critiquing something, anytime you see Jesus trying to tear something down, whether in, in their day or in our hearts, he's not tearing something down just to tear something down. He's tearing something down because he's trying to build up something more beautiful, right? And so the question you have to ask is like, what is he trying to build up? And today we're going to look at Jesus and he's going to give us some prohibitions. We're going to look specifically at three verses. And I don't want you to get too wrapped up in the prohibition. I want you to think ahead with me already. We're going to get there at the end. What is Jesus trying to build? What's he trying to build in us? Okay, so here we go. Matthew 23, you got your Bible. Matthew 23, verse 1. Let me read it to you. If you don't have a Bible, if you're online and the only device you have is what you're watching on, um, that's great because the book of Matthew was intended to be listened to. It was intended to be read. And so, so here you go. You ready? Um, it says this, Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Now, just a little context, just so you know. The chair of Moses was actually, in all likelihood, a literal chair. Um, they, they would read from the book of Moses, which is the five, first five books of the Bible, and they would teach from the book of Moses. And, and um, most historians believe that they would actually literally sit in a chair that they called the chair of Moses while they taught from the book of Moses, right? And also notice what he says. He says, it doesn't say that they've been placed there. It says they've seated themselves. So they've seated themselves in this position of authority to teach truth out, okay? So it says this, verse three, therefore... All that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and, and do not do them. They, they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for, for they, they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. Just, just know these are like religious symbols, and he's just saying they, they make their religious symbols really big so that nobody would miss them, right? 
They loved the place of honor at banquets and, and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. Now, that whole section, Jesus is going to expand upon. We're going to look at next week. He's going to tear it all apart, um, and, and we're going to get into the seven woes next week. But these are the three verses that I want us to look at today. But he says this, verse 8, but do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for for one is your father who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for, for one is your leader. That is the Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Jesus gives us three prohibitions. Don't be called rabbi. Don't call anyone father. And do not be called leaders. Um, and when I read those three, I, I got a lot of questions. I, I got a lot of things that I'm not real sure what Jesus is meaning, and maybe you do too. And, 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 and to understand this, he, here's, I think to best understand what Jesus is trying to tear down and then what Jesus, Jesus is trying to build up, um, we actually have to think about Jesus in the wilderness, you know the story? Jesus is, is um, before he begins his ministry, he, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting, right? And, and he's preparing himself, he's preparing his heart because uh, know this, this is an incredibly important thing in the way we see Jesus. Jesus is fully God, but Jesus is also fully man. And scripture says that while he's fully God, that he's emptied himself and become like us. Considering equality with God something that couldn't be grasped. And, and what it's saying is that, that Jesus has, has, in a way, set aside all of those kind of powers and things that make him God so that we could relate to him. Because if, if Jesus says, you know, um, you know look at what I do, follow and, and, and do the things that I do and act the way that I act, and, and then he, it was just because he's God that he didn't actually live in the flesh. Scripture tells us that in all the ways we've been tempted, he's been tempted too. But he endured that he overcame those things, right? And so Jesus, fully man, goes out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days to prepare his heart and his mind and his life for the three years that the father has in front of him. And, and a lot of times there's this really, this is, this is for free. This isn't what the sermon's about, but um, I love this. There's, there's this spot in scripture and it says that um, most time we translate this way. It says, it says, the spirit led him into the wilderness. And it sounds so nice, right? It sounds like the Holy Spirit just came by Jesus and put his arm around him and said, come on, buddy. I got something I want to show you. But that's not actually what the Greek says. The Greek says that the Spirit drove him. The Spirit, like cattle, drove Jesus out in the wilderness. And a lot of times when we think about the wilderness, um, it's not a place we want to be. A lot of wilderness language, we think of like the, the Israelite people, right? And the Israelite people, they end up in the wilderness for 40 years as punishment, but for most ancient Jews, the wilderness wasn't a place of punishment. The wilderness was a place of refining and quieting. Where did John the Baptist spend his whole ministry? In the wilderness. When God drew his people out of Egypt, they didn't get lost and end up out of the wilderness. He actually took them out into the wilderness first on purpose because he wanted to silence the noise of the world so that he could, he could shape them and change them and, and he could teach them what it meant to be 
his people. Jesus' ministry begins with the Spirit driving him out into the wilderness. And maybe today, maybe today you find yourself in a bit of spiritual wilderness, emotional wilderness, maybe just in your life it feels a bit of a a wilderness. I just want you to know, I, I can't speak directly into what's going on in your life, but sometimes it's actually the Spirit of God that leads you out there because he's trying to teach you and he's trying to shape you for something he has in front of you. And it's not the absence of the presence of God that defines the wilderness. It's actually the place where we can hear him most profoundly. So if you find yourself today in, in the wilderness, like just breathe and, 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 and listen for the words God's trying to speak to you. So, so, so he's out in the wilderness, right? Jesus is out in the wilderness, 40 days, and then the enemy comes. Remember this? Temptation of Jesus. He's tempted in three ways. The first one, um, he hasn't eaten for 40 days, so food's an easy temptation. The, the enemy says to him, he says, look, you could turn these rocks into bread and you could, you could provide for yourself. You could sustain yourself. You, you, could, you could take care of yourself. And Jesus refuses. And, and then he takes him out. He takes him out to um, this space and he says, all this I'll give to you. I'll let you be the sovereign king. I'll let you be king. I'll let you have a position of authority over all of this if you'll just bend your knee to me. And then the last one, he takes him up on top of the temple and he says, just throw yourself off here, right? Show everyone how powerful you are. Look at all these mere mortals down here. Show them that you're the Messiah. I mean, just, just jump, right? Because, because, because the angels, they're going to grab you. They're going to catch you. And, and how amazing would it be? Think of the stories and think of, think of the, the conversations people would have to demonstrate your power. The third great temptation of Jesus is to demonstrate his power apart from God's will. And, and these three temptations, the reason Jesus is tempted in these three ways is because when it comes to the temptations in our life, all of the temptations in our life come down to these three things. It's either a desire to provide for ourselves, to think that we have somehow earned it, that we are self-sufficient, that, that we are independent instead of recognizing our total dependence upon God. It's, it's, it's position. It's thinking that if we can get to a certain place, we can be worthy and deserving. That, that if I can get enough recognition, if I can get that job, if I can get that, 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 that acclaim, if I can get that salary, if I can have that relationship develop in my life, that, that I'll be worthy. And then the last one is, is power. It's to demonstrate and to use power over other people outside of God's desire and God's will, a kind of power that exploits all of the sin and brokenness of our lives comes down to provision, position, or power. And, and, and see, here's the thing. They're all good needs. Like, like Jesus was hungry out in the wilderness. Did you know that? 40 days. Anybody ever fasted for like three days? Right? Like, right? You're hungry. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus says um, that man doesn't live on bread alone. Right? That's a bold thing to say because um, he does at least live on some bread. Right? It might not be the only thing he lives on, but he lives on some bread. And, 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 and the, Jesus is going to eventually rightfully ascend to king. And all of us have this innate desire in us. God has built us in a way where we have this desire to be recognized as worthy and loved. Right? 
And, and that's why um, uh, theologians will talk about that, that all sin and all brokenness is, is um, inappropriate ways to attain necessary and appropriate needs. So we all have this need to be declared worthy, to be loved and cared for. But when we begin to take this weight on ourselves, when we begin to um, take on the responsibility of deeming ourselves worthy through our accomplishments or through our relationships or, or, or through um, accolades of others or through titles or, 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 <laughs> or through other people, there's this weight. Oh, oh man, I knew I was going to do this. I did this during first service and I did it with my right arm. And I thought second service, I'm going to use my other arm. Because you see, um, this is only 20 pounds right here. Right? If, if my, if my um, New Year's resolution was to work out more, I'd be like this, which it wasn't. Surprise, surprise. I'd be like this. Look, huh, right? And I would have worn a short sleeve t-shirt, but it's not. So there's nothing to see there. But provision, position, and power, when we try and find those things in ourselves are this weight that we put on. And here's the deal. Um, this weight's only 20 pounds. It's really not that much. Here's, oh my goodness, this is getting hard. Here's, here's what I was thinking. This is only a fraction. And just to be clear, I emphasize the word fraction. This is only a fraction of the weight that I carry around every single day. But just this little weight here, when we take on the response, you see my arm drifting? I can't keep it up. <laughs> um, I'm going to be eating lunch today with my left hand. Um, when we begin to take on the responsibility, okay, that's enough. These things, provision, position, and power, when we go through our lives trying to find those things in us to convince ourselves or to convince others that we're worthy because of the positions we've achieved, when we leverage power that God has entrusted us outside of his will for our benefit, for our comfort, when we seek to be the ones who provide for ourselves or to find safety and, and comfort in the provision of things we've acquired and built up, it's a weight that will crush your soul. It's a weight that will crush your soul. It'll wait that'll cause you to have sleepless nights, worrying about the stock market, worrying about your job, worrying about what other people are saying or thinking about you. It's a weight that you were not intended to carry. But see, here's the thing. Um, for many of us, there comes a point in our life where we recognize, like, um, and maybe it's just been the last two years, you recognize, like, there's so many things in this world that you can't control. Right? And you thought you had power over tomorrow. You thought that you could write something in your day planner or in your calendar on your phone, and then it would happen the next day. Remember that time? When we thought like, oh, I could put it on the schedule, that my kids will have school. Right? When I'll go into work, when I won't get sick, when, when, when all these things will happen, and we thought that we had the power to control our own tomorrow, and, and we've come to this realization that we can't. When, when that moment comes, when we realize how finite we are, he, here's the second temptation that we do, and so many of us have done every single day. Um, Whitney, can you come up here? Do you guys know Whitney? If you don't, you should know Whitney. Um, Whitney, uh, some things you may not know about Whitney is Whitney played football Western. 
I know it on a microphone, so online can't hear you, so I'll repeat things you say, okay? What, what, what position do you play at Western? Cornerback. Cornerback. When you were in high school, here's a little fun factoid that I don't think most people know. When you were in high school, um, you were one of the top recruits for what sport? Soccer. Soccer. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? This dude is a killer athlete. What shoulder did you have surgery on? Okay, okay. Take that. Can you just hold that there? Okay, see, here's what we do. And here's what a lot of us have done. A lot of us, when we realize the finiteness of our own nature, and that I can't carry this weight of being my own provider, that I can't um, elevate myself to a position that convinces other people that I'm worthy, that, that, uh, that I can't um, leverage power in a way that I can control the future. Here, here's what we start to do. We start to transfer it onto other people. We start, to, we start to look to leaders or politicians who claim that they can guarantee what the future is going to look like, and we trust in their power to find confidence that tomorrow's going to be better, that, that they can plan out tomorrow. Is it getting a little heavy? It's starting to. Okay, getting a little burn. I, I, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> that we put this weight on others, and, and we think, oh, oh here's, here's, a, here's a really uncomfortable one, okay? Okay. Um, Position when we realize that we can't convince ourselves of our worthiness by accomplishments and position because we always end up going to bed at night with ourselves and we know that we're broken people. We start to convince ourselves of our worthiness in our relationships. And if I could just have a significant other, if I could just have a spouse, if I could just have a child, if I could just have that relationship, if I could just have that friendship, if I could just have that one. And what we do is we begin to take this weight and this weight that we were never intended to carry and we put it on other people. It seems like your arm's starting to drift there a little bit. Is it getting a little? It's probably going to find its way down. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and when it's not power, when it's not, when it's not position, it's provision. And we begin to depend upon other people that they are the ones who feed us and provide for us and take care of us, that they are the ones that give us Life, I, I just kind of want to stand here long enough just to see a collegiate athlete. Um, <laughs> I'll take it from you. I'll take it. You can go sit down. Thank you, Whitney. <laughs> Here's the thing. What's Jesus trying to tear down? He's trying to tear down in their culture, in their day, a system and a way of, of living that look to other sources for their provision for a position that determined and declared that they were significant and worthy and deserving of God's love and other people's attention and power that could control the future and could paint for them a better future and could help them to sleep at night because these people on our side, because these people are for us. The problem is, is that that weight of provision, protection, and power was never weight any of us were intended to carry. And here's what it'll do. If you try and find your significance, and let's just give an easy example. In, in, in putting the weight of your worthiness and your being loved in your children, you will crush them and you will become bitterly disappointed in them. And every single time they disappoint, you will be magnified because it'll be a failure of a reflection of your own identity because they will be destroying and robbing you of meaning of having life. 
If you, if you, if you, if you put your, your weight, if you put this weight of, of purpose and, 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 and safety on another person, on a spouse, on a significant other, here's what you're going to do. You're going to kill the relationship because they're never meant to carry it. See, Jesus is trying to tear something down. He's trying to tear down a habit, a system in people in that day in us that we so often try and find our our significance and our worthiness and, and our security and our comfort and our purpose in ourselves or in other people. And every single time it'll be crushed under the weight of it. But instead, you remember Jesus says, um, don't call them rabbi, right? They, they, sit in a t- a she, uh, they sit in a chair and they, and they, and they try and teach the truth, but don't, don't, don't call them, don't look to them to be your truth. What does Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That anyone apart from Jesus who, who gives you uh, significance and purpose and worthiness and clarity and who you are and what you're supposed to be, that person, that thing will be crushed under the insatiable weight of your own ego. Jesus says, don't, don't call him father. Why? Well, especially in the ancient Near East, but it still carries a lot into our cultures. Ancient Near East, the father was the one who provided and protected Women, women and children couldn't have jobs. They couldn't own property. And, and so if you were going to eat that day, it was going to be because you had a good father who provided for you. Don't put your hopes in the things of this world. Don't put your hopes in, in your riches. Don't put your hopes in your accomplishments. But in a father who's a good provider, you remember what Jesus says? He says this. Isn't this so beautiful? He says this. He says, um, he says look at the lilies of the field. Look, 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 look how beautifully adorned they are. And they haven't done it. They haven't sown anything. They didn't work in anything. And yet your father in heaven has dressed. Look, look at the birds of the air. They haven't toiled. And, and yet, yet your father, your father, he, he provides for them. He cares for them. He's a good father. He's a good father and every single time our hearts begin to wander. It's the temptation of our hearts to begin to wander. When, 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 our, when our bank account begins to kind of tick up a little bit or when the conversation of raise happens or, or when a new relationship begins to develop or, or when your children are having great accomplishments or in the moments when marriage is going well, you begin to, to want to find hope and confidence in these things over here, but they will never carry the weight. But Jesus says that we have a good father who wants to, to, to richly bless you that every good thing scripture says comes from him comes from him don't 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 have any leaders for you have one he's christ there's there's a reason that we're called christians because we don't find our purpose or significance in any other place than we're followers of this messiah and jesus and everything else in this world that you seek to find your purpose and significance will be crushed under the weight. But Jesus' invitation to you is to give up on those things, to come and find him who is good and kind and gracious and able. You see, every single time we seek to find our comfort in, in us or in others, in our provision and our protection or in power, we'll, 
we'll go to sleep at night stressed out and worried and nervous that we could lose it. But scripture tells us this, that the God that we worship, they never change us. There's not even a hint of change in him. And that what Jesus is trying to invite us to this day, to you this day, each and every day, to readjust our heart to, is to be reminded that he is He is good and kind, that he is able, that he is the sovereign king. Scripture says that all things are are made in him and through him and for him and by him, that he holds all things together, that he is able to be good and sufficient in all ways. And that if you will lean in and trust him to be the provider of your purpose and your significance and, and, and your actually very real provision, that he will always be sufficient.